and welcome to our podcast. We are Married to the Game. I'm Jamie. I'm Athena. And I'm Jennifer. Every week, we will share what we love and hate about our relationship to magic. What did y'all get up to this weekend? Any pre-releases? Yes. Yes. That is what I did. And it was stupid amounts of fun. I had a really great time. I think Ixalan is going to be pretty awesome to play. Though I am a little worried about the dinos. But what did you guys get up to? So unfortunately, I was not able to make it to a pre-release. Carrick and I were trying to keep painting the living room. And we had a big birthday party we went to, so that took, like, six or so hours because we went to Demo Ball, which was sweet, uh, and, like, played at the arcade and stuff. And then, like, we did meal prep for the week, and it's just, like, everything ended up all piled into one weekend. And there was an REI garage sale, which is, like, you get there early and all of the, like, returned and clearance stuff is, like, super duper duper cheap. So... We ended up with too many things in the weekend to be able to squeeze a pre-release in. So that's kind of sad, but it was a really fun weekend. I just didn't get any magic in. That's fair. But now you're all fresh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got to do two pre-releases. I did the midnight one on Friday, and I did noon on Sunday. And I, okay, every time a new set drops, I'm like, I hate this. I hate this so much. This set's so stupid. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. It's because I'm such a spike, so when I don't know what I'm doing, it, like, makes me so angry. I'm like, this is dumb. Like, what are all the synergies? What am I doing? I hate figuring it out. I want to just know. So I already miss Hour, although I think Hour was, like, one of the best draft formats in recent memory. I mean, it was just so good, so I'm very spoiled. Um, I think Ixalan is... I don't know. Not as fun. Tribal. Yeah. But, like, where are the payoff cards? There's not that many. Aren't there? No. Okay. And all the rares, like, suck. They, like, suck. Like, I opened all my packs and I was like, this is unplayable. This is unplayable. This is unplayable. Like, it's just, like, the rares are not exciting. Unless you get a mythic dinosaur that is hexproof and trample. That's exciting. <laughs> I felt like some of the words that I had were exciting. I had the landing card, the one white, create a one one vampire. When you attack with three creatures, flip it, and then you can just start making more vampires. That card was pretty sweet. I had a nice like vampire synergy deck, which wasn't all that exciting. But once I got the the wheels on it and we were trucking along, I was like, yes, look at all my life linking vampires attacking. It's pretty exciting. Did then I also Maverick had Fane? the... Um, huh? Did you have Maverick Fane? I don't know who Maverick Fane is. I don't <gasps> think so. He's like this guy, and if you attack with a non-token vampire, you get to create another vampire token. Ooh. He's real cool. That yeah. would be busted. Apparently, there's also a vampire that whenever you attack with a vampire, you drain one. Maybe it's whenever oh. you cast a vampire. I didn't have that one either. The one that I did have, though, 
was a six mana flying vampire, four, four. And then when it dies and it goes into your graveyard, you can tap three vampires to bring it back to your hand. That card was so it's like, busted. Yeah, it's like undying in your deck if you have enough yeah, tokens. I insane. mean, you have to recast it, but it's that's great. I mean, they would like be like, finally, I found removal for your 4-4 four, four flyer, and you're like, ah ha ha, here it comes again. I was really enjoying it. But it seems like dinos are just insane. Yes. So I think that's going to be super interesting for a draft, right? Because people are going to be fighting over dinos. Because mm-hmm. I think it's like clearly the best. So that's going to make you have to pick another route. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, that stupid, um, it's like a two mana, one, one tap for any color of mana. When you have another dinosaur, it becomes a three, three. Mm. That card's just stupid. Like, I don't know. It was like someone was just like designing a card. They're like, oh, we have some extra space here on this <laughs> card. Like, what else should we put on here? And I'm like, why was this necessary? Like, this is so, like, it would make sense if it was like tap it for any other color to cast a dinosaur spell. That would make sense. But just like this. I don't know. That card did work. It was it was insane. It's an uncommon. Does that make you feel a little bit better? No, because everyone okay. had it on turn two. And I, was <laughs> like, I can't beat this. <laughs> Plus, some of the um, there's another one that's like I think it's also an uncommon. It makes dinosaurs cost one less to cast. Mm-hmm. That card's nuts. I don't think it's an uncommon. Wait, the O three. I don't know because that makes it one less. No, it might be. It's like a red card. Oh no no no! Cost two. I'm thinking about a white card. Dinosaurs cost one less to cast, and then it has a bunch. And then you can also give a dinosaur haste. Mm. Yes. Okay. The card's also nuts. With all the dinos. The 5-5 five, five Haste Trample Dino for 5 is insane. Oh, yeah. Jacob was complaining about that. He's like, yeah. they just printed a better reality smasher. What is this? If you're on the play and you have that card and you're able to curve out, like, your opponent's, like, not going to be able to win. It's just, like, I mean, what are they going to do? Like, hold up mana just in case you play that card? No. Like, they're just going to get a dinosaur in their face and they're not going to be happy about it. I know party. Very silly. Yeah, the trample really screwed over my vampire strategy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Do you think they pushed it too much? Dinos? Mm hmm. Meh. We'll find out. <laughs> Time will tell. Right now, they feel super overpowered. But. I'm sure we can figure out, like, strategies or whatever to minimize their impact. Maybe you just have to be super fast. Maybe this is going to be Amoncat all over again, and you just have to have a mass amount of two drops and go, go, go. How did you feel about the removal in the set? Uh, I'm not really super excited about it. Some of the black stuff is good, like the contract killing. Five mana destroy, target creature, make two treasures. That's pretty good. I don't know. I think the white dinosaur, did you see the one that's, like, like a three five and it has enrage and puts counters on everything if it takes damage 
No, whatever. but that sounds insane. It It's amazing. Like, I had it with three pounces, and I was like, yeah. This is oh, great. I did see that, because somebody made an infinite combo in Standard. And the, basically, the infinite combo was cast that dinosaur, give it indestructible with the one mana spell, and then have a walking ballista. So mm. basically, if you have another creature, dinosaur gets pinged by walking ballista, because it's indestructible, you can ping it an infinite amount of times, and every single time you ping it, it puts a counter back on walking ballista, so you can ping it again. So if you have another creature, it just gets pumped to infinity. Sweet. And I was like... That's pretty nuts. It is expensive. It's like, well, I think it's six mana. So it's not like super broken, you know? Like, it takes time to get it established. There's also the other mm, double striking dinosaur. Standard. What did you say? I said a six mana card is doable in standard. Yeah. Definitely, especially if you have some of those, like, ramping spells that allow the dinos to be cheaper or cast sooner. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm worried about the dinos. Merfolk also is putting up a fight. I mean, the blue-green, like, can be super aggressive. Like, if you get those plus two, plus two flying enchantments and put them on, like, hexproof duders. Woo-hoo. That's, that is my kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think the Merfolk deck looks really sweet. It's definitely a synergistic aggro deck, which is like my home turf. So I'm pretty excited about it. I'm hoping to get my hands on Copala to try her out in modern um, here shortly. I don't know if I'll be able to get her today on Magic Online since it comes out in what, like an hour and a half from when we're recording this. <laughs> but <laughs> if I can grab a couple of Copala at not a ridiculous price then I'll probably try that out tonight or sometime this week. What okay. is Kapala for us that are uninitiated in the Merfolk tribe? Uh, so <laughs> Kapala is the mono blue legendary Merfolk. Uh, it's one blue blue for a 2-2. Spells your opponent's cast that target a Merfolk you control cost two more to cast. Abilities your opponents activate that target a Merfolk you control cost two more to activate. So um, there's this there's two like slots, right? So um, a lot of times people will play Kira, Great Glass Spinner, which is the first time a creature is targeted, or like the first time this, cre- this creature is targeted, counter that ability or that whatever. Um, and so it gives that to all your creatures. And then um, until I was able to pick up Kira because she's, wasn't, she's not very cheap, I was playing Monastery Siege, choosing the one where anything, any spells your opponents cast cost one more. So this is kind of a mix between that and it's a merfolk, so it'll get pumped up by everybody. Um, so it'll be sitting on the battlefield, it'll be a 4-4 four, four or a 5-5, five, five, and if they're trying to target anything, their removal spell costs more. And so it just seems like it might be a good slot in, like, in that, like, position where often there's like two kira or two monastery siege or whatever um so yeah i think it's gonna be cool and i want to try it out in that position it seems sweet i mean how does it work having legendary creatures do you think you'd only play two of them or one of them 
Well, Kira was legendary as well. Okay. Um, so it feels a lot like they took Kira and Monastery Siege and kind of smushed them together. Uh, so yeah, here's Kira. So it's a 2-2 flyer for one blue-blue, which is what you're looking for, which is the same, well, minus flying, but plus merfolk, mm-hmm. which I think is a good trade-off uh, for merfolk deck. I don't know. And the double the d- double blue helps with Master of Waves and Devotion. So, like, it's it's exciting. It's our third and fourth three drop. Or fifth and sixth three drop, depending on how many read trees we play. Yeah. That's cool. I'm pretty sure Randy named his daughter after that card. Kira. Oh, yeah? Cute. Yeah. Her name is Kira. And I would think that... I would imagine that's where they got it from. It's not a bad one to be named after. Would you? This is very beautiful art. Jamie, would you name your kid after magic cards? I mean, I thought about it. Any <laughs> contenders that you're thinking of? No. Well, I mean, I just love Lily so much. But we have two friends that have daughters named Lily, so that would be weird. Plus, I named my fur baby after magic. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Cute. You're saying plus? Me? Yeah, you said plus, and then I cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I don't know. People already think I'm weird. <laughs> at least Lily's not a weird name. No, it's not. Not at all. Liliana, maybe a little bit, but not really. And if you do just go with Lily, that's a pretty common name. I love Avison. Um, one of my viewers on Twitch named his daughter Avison, and she, I got to meet her, and she's so cute. Oh my gosh! But like, then she Avison's got all evil, nice right? He named her when she was like the protector, because she's like I don't know five or so. That's cute. Mm. She's adorable. My goodness. So then do you tell her? No, I just have to wait for her to go crazy. Right. Do you tell her about this, like, part of her personality that's going to pop up? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm sure she'll discover there are more than one Avacyn eventually. And she can choose her own path, whoever she wants mm-hmm. to be. Okay. But at least she's not locked into being a white mage forever. Sure. Yeah, she can get a little spicy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so if I come by any Copalas, I will save them for you. But I'm not prioritizing them highly. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> oh, it's not that good in draft. No, I mean, it'd be good if you somehow were able to draft Merfolk. Like if you had enough. Just straight yeah. up. Because there are a couple of really good green ones. The ones they are like... Oh, shoot. It's like a single green. Like a card ape or whatever? I don't remember. I'll have to look it up. What are we talking about here? Merfolks. Merfolks. Fish. Um, Kuminus Speaker. It's a 1-1 one, one for 1. It gets plus 1, plus 1 as long as you control another merfolk or an island. 
It's an uncommon. That one just seems really sweet. Like, if you can get enough of those kinds of cards, like, just on its own is not great. But if you can, like, specifically draft several, or, like, one or two Kamena speakers, and you're managed to open a Kopala, and you pick up a couple of other the decent merfolk along the way, all of a sudden, they become stronger as a whole. Oh, that's, like, such a nice thing to say. <laughs> they become stronger as a whole. I love it. I mean, that's part of what I like about Merfolk in Modern, too, is that, you know, each card is like a bear, right? Most of them are two twos for two, nothing crazy. But then you put all of them together, and they're much, much better when they're together. They're like little friends, little Merfolk friends. Yeah. Cute. I have a question for you, Jamie. How, when a new set drops on Magic Online, how do you approach drafting? Do you just draft what's open, or do you try to kind of like, well, I haven't drafted the vampire deck yet, so I want to try try that out and see how I do. Like, how do you handle testing out the new cards? Uh, well, I always draft what's open, or try to. Because I do enough drafts where, like, I'll fall into all this stuff eventually. Um, I don't usually fall into the trap of, oh, this card is flashy. I want to try it out. Like, I just want to win. <laughs> that's the only way I have fun. I know that's bad. No, it's not. It is. It's just competitive. I'm just finally starting to, like, fully embrace this aspect of myself. And it's It's tough. It's good. Yeah, but I mean, I never want to be like a bad winner or a, a bad loser, and that's hard. Like online, you could be like, "Yeah, got him," but like in in real life, if you do that to your opponent, you'd be like what? <laughs> like that's really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're allowed to say it inside your head, sure. But like, I feel even bad, like smiling, like. Or, like, celebrating with your team, like, when you do Team Sealed and you, like, win a really rough match and you, like, kind of let out the sigh of relief. Like, then you look across the way and your opponents, like, are, like, like, they're, like, somebody has to feel bad. And that makes me feel bad. I mean, I wouldn't look at it that way. I think this was actually a discussion that pros were having on Twitter on whether or not it was appropriate to celebrate when you win a big match. Like, let's say, is it appropriate to be like, yes, after you make your win and in for top eight? I mean, like, it's natural to be super excited and, like, want to celebrate. But, like, yeah, when you look across the way, like, you just took that spot from somebody else. So there's that. You want to be, like, I don't know, a good sport about it. Finesse it a little bit. Walk away and celebrate. I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, that initial, yes! Yeah. Like, when you finally get them and you weren't sure if it was going to work out in your favor. And, like, there's that initial, oh, yeah, I got it. But, like, you don't want to, like, sit there and rub it in their face or jump up and down or anything. You do that once you've stepped away from the table. Also, um, this is kind of a culture thing more but if it's accepted that people are 
allowed to kind of celebrate when they win that the person who loses as like that same culture has to be like congratulations like yeah you got me and then they can step away but there has to be like if everyone's really sore loser and they're like like gosh darn it i didn't win then it hurts a lot more when people celebrate so it's kind of you have to pick which coin you want to be on like the i'm allowed to celebrate and they're allowed to feel bummed coin or let's not express ourselves to each other coin yeah i mean i don't know where i stand on this this is actually something that happened at our pre-release a little bit which i have a few moral dilemmas for you and this is one of the first ones so you're playing against your opponent neither of you are probably in contention for prize packs if so our um game store is also a comic book store so at the time there was um young children in the store who weren't playing magic and when this player started losing they started cursing excessively and then when they finally lost the game they picked up their deck and threw it on the table making the cards go everywhere What would you guys do in that scenario? Where that was our opponent? Yes. I'd be like, dude or dudess, you have to cool it. Like, that's not cool. Like, when there's kids around, I'd be like, look over there, man. Or lady. Right? That's that's too much. And you're allowed to, like, curse and say, like... But don't, like, scream it and, like, make it, like, a long chain of them, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I'm of the opinion, like you are, that it's it's not cool. But I probably wouldn't get in the way. I'd probably just pick up my stuff, go turn in the match slip, and, like, call it a day. And not be a part of them. Because presumably they're cursing at you as well. Mm-hmm. Or at least it's going to feel a little bit like it. So you would just ignore it, kind of? Yeah, I think I would kind of remove myself from the situation. Would you... Would either... Oh. Uh, would you ask, like, somebody else to kind of say something? Like, the store person? Like, an employee? I guess it depends on how long it continues. Um, if it continues long enough, I imagine someone else would probably step in anyway if it was just one overly aggressive like 30 second period or something you step away it, they kind of cool himself down and the world goes on would you give him a look at least be like probably <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that's where i would start i'd be like what what are you doing it's pre-release come on this is not like a pro tour like chill out it's supposed to be fun you're learning the cards like calm yourself Mm -hmm. like i'm a spike read at the pro tour no but like emotions are higher there like for sure so it's more understandable and are there children at the pro tour no no it's a a little bit not really yeah, <laughs> there's often a few 
who've like come along and are on the sidelines but they're also at a pro tour so they know that it's not necessarily a child-friendly everyone's speaking in pg like terms and stuff so i there's a lot of kids that come to our fnm sometimes like they're not like super young but like 12 and up and once in a while i'll just like swear and then i look at them and i'm like i'm so sorry and they're like it's okay i've heard it before <laughs> it's so cute <laughs> so cute <laughs> uh. but then i like try to be more aware i'm like okay well there is a child here Mm. Could it be more appropriate? Yeah. Okay. Here's second moral dilemma. You are playing a game. Your opponent attacks with a double striking creature. You block it. They say that because it has double strike, you take additional damage. You take the first strike kills your creature, second strike attacks you you say actually that's not how the rules work when you block a creature since it doesn't have trample there's no um damage that's assigned to me um but let's call a judge over and see what they have to say so you call a judge over Mm -hmm. and the judge says that your opponent is correct that you take damage but you know that that is not correct whoa what do you do is there another judge that you can um, appeal to or ask? No. Um, okay. Well, I was in a not this kind of not this situation, but I was in a, a strange rule situation where my opponent or the judge ruled in my opponent's favor when I knew for a fact that it was incorrect. Uh, it was um, like spreading seas and Eye of Ugin or something. So it's been a little while. And I ended up, you know, saying, well, judge, I'm going to need a minute. I'm going to look up the ruling on um, on the judge forums for them because I knew, and that was going to make me lose the game. Like, it was I won that turn with Island Walk or I lost on Crackback. And it was it was a invitational qualifier, so it wasn't like a, a pre-release tournament or something where, you know, this actually did matter. Uh, so I looked up the rules on one of the judge forums and found a couple of different places where they ruled it that way. And then the judge went to the store computer and looked up the ruling and then reverted to that the ruling was correct and was in my favor. But I had to I had to fight for that one because I knew it was correct and I didn't want to get kicked out of the tournament or like because of a bad judge ruling. Yeah. Also, I believe in like professional or not in uh, competitive REL tournaments. If a ruling like that is made and held up, you can communicate that with wizards, and they'll. I mean, you don't get to fix your tournament record or anything, but they will like make sure that judge knows what they're doing, and they'll like Mm -hmm. make sure that it's less likely to happen again to someone else. How would you feel about it if that same thing happened at a um, pre-release, which is not competitive REL, which is, like, for fun REL? Um, I would probably, uh, like, discuss with the judge. You know, actually, no, this is how it works. Can we look up the ruling or something? Because 
I mean, that's a pretty straightforward, like, rule. That's just how double strike without trample works, right? Um, so you can look that up relatively easy. Everyone has a phone in their pocket. And then request that they do so and amend their ruling. If they chose not to, I'd probably be frustrated and salty and probably tilt out the rest of that match. But I wouldn't be rude about it. I'd just be like, you know, this is this is wrong, this is dumb, grr. And then I'd finish the match, do my best to win despite that situation, and, um, you know, go complain to my friends about it later. But I wouldn't, like, raise a stink fit or anything. I was, like, appalled that you said that. Like, did that actually happen? Mm Mm-hmm. Whoa. I mean, what happened was that (laughs) happened, and then I sat there, and I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. This is supposed to be a for-fun tournament. But I don't really feel like arguing with a judge or telling them that they're wrong because this is supposed to be like oh, just hanging out on a Saturday having a good time what actually happened was one of my friends who was sitting next to me told the judge like I don't think that's correct do you want to look it up so that was helpful because somebody else stepped in and talked about it but it did make me wonder if that hadn't happened is it appropriate for me to just to be like whatever let it go. If this was at a GP, I'd probably escalate it, but it's not. Or if it's better to escalate it because, you know, this is how people learn how to play the game is by doing Um, stuff like that. I think there are various levels of escalation. So telling the judge in a respectful manner, actually, I'm, I know that that's not the correct ruling. Would you mind looking it up for me? Uh, I think it's totally appropriate at that level that is how they're going to learn how double strike and not trample and whatever works and that's fine if you do so and the judge is like i don't have time and like kind of blows you off or whatever then i'd probably be like it's not worth this fight and you can explain to your opponent after the match or something if you want you can look it up yourself after the match but at something that's just for fun you don't want to escalate it and be like no, I need the head judge and like like go crazy and like, like I don't know like there are, there's a different tier of escalation I suppose that's appropriate based on competitive level makes sense okay I'm glad that someone else stepped in for you yeah, yeah. I mean it wasn't that, been that really big in- of a deal I just found myself calling a judge a lot based on what I thought were decently basic concepts of magic maybe something that you might not have encountered before if you were a newer player um but things that i didn't think were that difficult to understand and i felt like maybe i was calling a judge too often in the pre-release and i should have let some of them go but i was like uh you know it's still you're still supposed to play by the rules right so it's kind of it was kind of bizarre um there was one other one i was trying to think of Give me a second. I had it, and then my brain let it go. Oh, okay. This one didn't happen to me. It was a hypothetical, but I was curious to see what you guys thought. You have an opponent who pile shuffles their deck to equally distribute lands as every third card. Mm -hmm. You tell them you can't do that. They tell you it's fine. They hand you the deck to cut. Would you then shuffle the deck to ensure that they get mana screwed? 
Ensure? Yes. How do you ensure that they get mana screwed? Because you know, because you just saw them place a land every third card. So you can just divide it into piles. You could shuffle it proper. You should shuffle it like they did if they say that's an okay way to shuffle. Uh, So that you then put all the lands at the bottom. Ooh. I would just shuffle it, shuffle it a few times. Yeah. Um, So this kind of thing has happened to me um, once at a competitive level Pokemon tournament. (laughs) This guy... Okay, story. This is like <laughs> the secret life of Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if this is too much, but all right, I sat down and my opponent like runs up right at the last minute before the round's supposed to start. So they're there, you know, whatever. They pull out their deck, they pile shuffle it, and then I present it. So they clearly have stacked their deck. Right? They were the whole time they were complaining that you know, their record was too low, and I think we were three and two, and, like, they never do this bad at Pokemon tournaments. And cheating is rampant in the competitive Pokemon scene, which is disappointing, but just kind of how it is right now. <coughs> so I said to them, you know that doesn't randomize your deck. And he says, yeah, it does. And I'm like, well, no, it doesn't, but they have to present, so I'm welcome to shuffle it. So I... I do, like, the prayer point number, like, eight or nine shuffles to mathematically randomize the deck and hand it back to him. And, like, I also noticed, like, like, because you shuffle a lot in Pokemon, um, when he would, like, pull out certain cards, he'd, like, peek at the bottom, set them there, and then cut them to the top at the end of his shuffle. So every time he handed it to me, I had to completely randomize his deck with the full eight or nine shuffles, which he got really frustrated at because he was stacking his deck and I was undoing it for him, right? So clearly you wouldn't want that to happen. Um, and But then he wasn't doing as well because he was drawing random cards as opposed to whatever. So we ended up drawing because, like I said, in Pokemon you shuffle once, twice, three times every turn and it just, that's all the game is, is shuffling, especially in paper, it's frustrating. But like, all the rest of my matches I got done in an appropriate amount of time. And then this one, because I had to fully randomize both of our decks every time any shuffle happened, I, like, blah, it, we ended up drawing and it was terrible. But yeah, I would fully randomize their deck every time they presented it to me and explain to them that it's not mathematically randomized by doing pile shuffling. Um, I often point to there's, there's this really great number file video. Have you guys heard of that? I think I might have seen the video that you're talking about. I think I've tweeted it like three times. Uh, but so Numberphile is a like math nerd YouTube channel. And they talk to various professors about complicated math problems. And so they did, you know, to c- math to fully randomize or at least clo- as close to randomize as humanly possible a deck of cards. And so I often will point them in the direction of that video so that they can see it explained not from the person they're competing against be like you know to truly randomize a deck you can't you can't cut shuffle you have to do that for like three hours and to equate to like eight full riffle shuffles or something and so i'll point them in that direction anyway side note pokemon tournament cheaters never mind <laughs> but yeah i would just randomize it what did you do jamie uh, well, okay, so one time, okay, at FNM, there's this guy, he always shuffled his deck upside down on in piles, 
He's like, oh, I'm just trying to make the lands be, like, more distributed. I'm like, what? It's so weird. So face yeah. up? <laughs> I was like, what? So then, yeah, I would just, like, kind of shuffle his deck a couple times. And I'm like, it was just, it was, it was very strange. But I don't know. F&M, like, stuff like that is, like, so, it's supposed to be casual. So you just go, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It's a little frustrating, I guess, when people do stuff like that. You're like, no, you can't just do this. Well, that's why, like I said, I would, like, casually and, you know, calmly explain to them, this doesn't randomize your deck. That's against the way the game's supposed to work. And then I would randomize it yeah. for them. But it's still annoying to have to take that responsibility, right? Absolutely. I think one of the problems is, is all the stores in vegas to do pre-releases do cuts to top eight and it's so frustrating but i think it incentivizes a lot more people to be shady about it as opposed to just playing mm. for fun but i don't know do your t- stores do cut to top eight for pre-releases what does that mean you play five rounds and they cut to top eight and then you play a top eight Oh, right, you don't play construction. <laughs> I don't. So you know how when you go to a GP, yeah. there's a top eight, and you have they to draft. get enough points? Well, you have to get enough points in order to make it to yeah. top eight? The, okay, the cut to top eight is that same thing. So it's whoever, at the end of the set number of rounds, is the top eight players, then plays another turn. Okay. That is cut to top okay. eight. So do you... When you draft, you start with eight people, so I see how that wouldn't be as common for you. Yeah, well, and, like, at our pre-releases, we just do, like, five rounds or whatever. How many rounds it takes to do, like, to make somebody be undefeated or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, it's just by record. So, no cut to mm-hmm. Do you do a pack per win at your store? No. The prize support is very top-heavy. First and second get a decent number of packs and store credit and then it sort of like filters down like third through sixth get like the same but I think that's good because yeah it's just it's supposed to be casual I like it I don't really want to be like super competitive at pre-release I've been to pre-releases that do both ways um the one that was cut to top eight did have like a lot more competitive players and it was even though it officially wasn't ran at competitive REL. It was played as if it was ran at competitive REL Mm -hmm. just because that was the the group of people who showed up and wanted to play that way. Um, So it made more sense in that situation to have a cut to top eight, but generally I don't think that they do here. Yeah. I don't know. It was a weird pre-release. I had a lot of fun and the little things that happened did not detract from me having fun, but I was thinking about how to handle a lot of these different situations, some of them that happened to me, some of them which didn't. And I was like, I don't know, ma'am. I don't know. Because when I went home and I talked to Eric, he's like, pre-releases are in a weird gray area where everyone is coming to have fun, but what your fun might be might be drastically different from the fun the other person is having. Like, maybe it's their first time playing Magic in a game store, period. So mm-hmm. what they view as, like, they're not going to have fun if you call a judge on them three times. Whereas if you're a hyper-competitive player and you know the rules and you're going to lose the game because of a judge ruling, 
or your opponent not understanding their cards, then fun for you would be calling a judge and making sure the game gets played out correctly. Right. Which is interesting. I don't know. I know I definitely, when I was playing Kitchen Table Magic a lot, we were playing, it's like the Wild West of Magic. Stuff that would not be legal (laughs) in actual game stores just because that's what we all mutually agreed the rules were going to be because we didn't understand the actual rules. I don't know. All right. I guess I have another dilemma for you. This one's not pre-release related. Well, it is a little bit. But um, recently there's been some problems with foreign cards. I think the current one is... German makeshift munitions. So makeshift munitions is one in a red enchantment. Um, pay one colorless, sack an artifact or creature. Makeshift munitions deals one damage to target creature or player. It's an uncommon. In the German card, instead of one colorless, it's a tap symbol. So it's what? tap... Sack an artifact or creature, makeshift munition deals one damage to target creature or player. How do you think mm. wizards should handle a printing mistake like that? That's bizarre. I'm not even sure. Well, it's hard because at pre release, people don't necessarily know that that's not correct and whatever. So I could see it being ruled either you play as how it is printed on the card because everyone's got German cards, presumably. Um, Or if the store wants to fight it or, like, try to explain it to everybody, they can go with Oracle text. Um, But after the fact, like, you know, in standard tournaments or whatever, it is the Oracle text of the card. The only thing that really matters is the name, correct? I think so, yeah. So I don't know how I would handle it at pre-release, but after the fact, uh, moving forward, once you realized it was a misprint, then I would definitely go with Oracle text. What would you do, Jamie? Would you like print off other cards to hand out to players that have the correct printing? Would you just have it be a verbal thing? Would you let the Germans play with a different card? I get I. I guess make it like an announcement and say this is wrong. I don't know. You can't just reprint the cards and give them out though. Right. Like that's both not like doesn't make financial sense for wizards going through that whole process of printing them and stuff and then distribution. But also now that card's value or whatever is tanked or what if it's like a really good constructed playable card this happens to you know now there's like an extra 2,000 German copies of this card and that just throws everything off so apparently this is not the first time this has happened happened before in Dragons of Tarkir the Portuguese Mm -hmm. translation for stampeding Elkhurt had creatures gained vigilance instead of trample um yep Another one was Portuguese expedition map would search for a basic land. 
Um, we've also which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm playing expedition map, I don't want to search for a basic. Um, there was an Ugin misprint on the German cards, where the second ability was exile all colored permanents that cost X or more. So you could just make X zero and exile everything. All right. But I thought this was interesting because it's not something I ever really thought about. Like, I'd seen, like, the Descent on Fishermen and stuff like that. You know, like, goofy misspellings or just translation errors. But I never considered that there might be functional errors when printing foreign cards. Um, and it seems like it's not something that Wizards has really ever come out and just given a, a ruling of, like, this is how you handle that situation aside from making announcements but it feels like you know if you weren't a huge competitive player you could go and build a deck around a card only to show up at a tournament and have them be like actually your card doesn't work like that i mean that would suck pretty badly yeah but if they can be like you know here's wizard's rulings here's what happened there was this misprint you know it's kind of well known and accepted you just somehow missed that memo I think if I showed up with a a card where I I would have been I'd be bummed, but I would try to play with the ruling as it's written and or like as it's officially like the oracle text and probably not do as well and then scrap the deck and start over again. It sounds like a nightmare, like not knowing and then showing up and being like, "Okay, I'm ready." And then all of a sudden they're like, <gasps> and you're like, right? <gasps> "That's my whole deck." What? Like I don't know. It does sound like a nightmare. It'd be brutal. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it. Ha- Do you think they should like have to? A store should have to make announcements every time. Like every single time there's a, a draft launched in Germany, they should say like, "Hey, just so you know, this card's printed wrong." I mean. They did something similar. Well, no. Um, so I remember when we were doing, what was it, Eternal Masters drafts or something? They would say, they would make a quick little announcement was if your pack has two high value cards, you can just buy a new one. But having like a short little announcement say, hey, FYI, this card's misprinted. Uh, if you'd like to look up the oral te- Oracle text, feel free. That doesn't take very long, and it's not really irritating. Even if everyone at the table knows, it can just kind of be a thing that's said, and it's it's like, yeah, left, right, left. It's that kind of thing that's just kind of said. They could print, like, a little sign, so, like, when you, like, are paying or something, it'd be like, attention! <laughs> that could work, too. I mean, if you know that every copy you hand out, or every pack you hand out that has this card in it is going to have this error... Putting a little sign up on the back of your register doesn't seem like a bad yeah. plan. Yeah, that's a smart way to handle it. I didn't think of that one. Yeah. Hmm. It is kind of a bummer, though. And I'm surprised stuff like that happens, because it seems like that'd be your number one priority, is not to make functional misprints. <sighs> it's hard, because they have to get the translators... There's just there's so many languages they printed. It was like 15 different languages Magic Card they printed in, and they not all the translators that work for them play Magic or 
completely understand if something if they say more instead of less like on that ugin maybe they didn't realize that they had translated it wrong and it's still a rule that could be and they didn't think oh well they could just zero all the time and exile all colored permanents every turn you know they just kind of assumed this sounds like a rule let's put it out there yeah quality control is really hard in translations yeah, I guess that makes sense, especially since the person designing the card can't go back and double-check everything because they don't speak the language. Right. Well, the tap symbol, I don't know. That seems like well, it's yeah, pretty. Well, yeah, one, that one seems like <laughs> that's, that's, Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Wasn't there a card that was printed once where it had some other card's rule text on it and vice versa? So, like, the title and art and, like, um, like convert mana cost and, like, power toughness box, all of that was correct. But the rule box was switched with another card. I think I remember hearing about that happening. I could see that happening. I don't remember that, though. Okay. I don't know. I feel like I remember that, but I could just be making that up or dreamt it or something. For sure. <laughs> that happens to me, too. I dream and I'm like this happened and people are like no <laughs> or maybe it's an alternate reality could be you step from one universe into the next right. so somewhere in the other universe there's an alternate you who dreamt what's this world's correct in the other one or something whoa <laughs> <laughs> so weird to me the idea that you can like, i had a friend once who had a really bad dream that she had like gone to the doctors and gotten a really bad diagnosis but she hadn't actually seen anyone for the first half of the day and she like didn't realize that the dream wasn't real until like six hours after waking up but then by that point oh, she had gosh. been so miserable about it that oh. she was still in a bad mood by the time like i bumped into her and I was like, how do we know that anything that we dream just isn't actually happening? Like, you could totally have a dream that seems so real that you never even consider that it wasn't a dream. Do you ever wake up, like, mad mm -hmm. at, like, Eric or, uh, shoot, Carrick? I was like, wait, <laughs> why, why is my mind blanking? Like, you just have a dream about them and you wake up angry and you're like, oh, and but you're like, you know it's a dream, but you still have the emotion there. Yeah, well... Yeah, this happened a couple times. It's pretty silly. I mean, you know it's not logical, but it still... It still exists. <laughs> well, that was me with the... I, I recently started keto, which is like a diet where you can't eat carbs. And in my dreams, I was eating... I kept, like, having normal dreams, but randomly in in the dreams i'd be like eating a bag of chips or eating pizza and then eric would be like i can't believe you're eating carbs without me <laughs> <laughs> and when i woke up in the morning i felt so guilty for eating a bag of chips or whatever <laughs> but i was like this is a dream and i was like this is so, such a weird place to be in right now i don't know dreams are weird they really are it's just your subconscious, like, 
processing everything. Yeah. But they feel so real. Yeah. So does life, right? Yeah. Maybe life is just <laughs> subconscious processing stuff. Well, that's the newest Kurtzgesagt video. Do you guys follow mm-hmm. them? Is that the simulation one? Well, yeah, is the world a simulation? Or is your life simulation, whatever? It's the, yeah, the newest Kurtzgesagt video. I'll link you to it later, Jamie. I think it's something similar that I don't think this stuff is actually real. Really? Yeah, but it doesn't change the way you live. Like, you can have that fundamental belief in, like, I'm not going to go jump off my roof because I don't think it's real. Like, I'm still going to hit the ground and it's going to hurt, even if it's not real. All right. (laughs) Sorry. You are a sim. I don't like that idea. Do not like. I don't think that makes any sense. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man. Thinking about, like, space and reality always makes my head hurt. It makes me (laughs) deeply uncomfortable. Just, like, the idea that at some point there's got to be, like, a boundary where space stops. But then what's beyond that? And, like, if space all collapsed in on itself and then nothing exists anymore, like, I feel like something has to exist, even if it's just an empty space. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that, that that's what bothers me the most, is the idea that <laughs> I feel like we must be in, like, a big container or something, and then the container has to exist somewhere outside of that in another realm, but at some point, there has to be a, a stopping point where nothing exists beyond that, but... How, do, how does that happen? I don't know. That makes me deeply That is how religion is born. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that makes sense to me. I'm like, okay, religion answers a fundamental question about life, but then it also doesn't make sense. So I don't know. Don't try to find answers. Live with the questions. What? <laughs> Jamie dishing out, like, wisdom over here. I don't know, man. My dog is barking. I don't know if you guys can hear that. I'm sorry if you can. He's, it's okay. It's he's trying to explain reality to you. Yeah, he's like, don't worry, I'm here. <laughs> reality is all about feeding me and petting me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is reality. Don't forget the walks. Yes. <laughs> Every morning, he wakes up and he just starts howling at me. He goes, oh, until I feed him. Why don't you howl back? Aww. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we, like, try to talk to him and have a conversation. <laughs> but he only makes that sound when he's hungry. Like, he doesn't do it at any other point in the day other than, like, Aww. I'm ready for food. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. <sighs> well, I guess it's about time for us to wrap it up. Before we go, I think we wanted to say goodbye and thank you to Cardboard Crack, who is now leaving our little magic community for the time being. No more comics. For now. For now. Not forever. Maybe. Well, we'll see. Which, it's kind of sad. I don't know. I feel like it's like the end of an era. A little bit. 
but but there are several books of cardboard crack comics at this point right yeah so there's like what three or four of them you can just go get your cardboard crack fix you can only read so many at once so like they'll still be fresh next time just gotta go on a rotation (laughs) yeah rotation of cardboard crack comics but yeah just wanted to give you a a shout out and a thank you i don't know if the creator even listens to our podcast but if they do you were yeah we enjoyed your comics i guess i don't know you brought a smile to the people in the magic community yeah and with that, I think we're going to say bye, unless you guys have something else that you want to talk about in the last few minutes. No, I got to go get ready for this drop on Magic Online. Come on. Jamie's <laughs> like itching. She's like, can we record the night before so I can wake up and just draft? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. With that, thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can always reach us at mttgcast at gmail.com or mttmtg on Twitter. We love to hear feedback, especially about the new format. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you want us to tell you what we're going to talk about? Do you want us to just ramble on forever like we have for the last two episodes? Um, We also love listener-submitted questions, comments, suggestions, your thoughts about reality and whether or not we live in the simulation um and make sure you guys join us next week where we'll have more fun talking about magic and we'll find out if jennifer's addition to her merfolk deck merfolk deck were good or not we'll see you all later bye bye bye